This morning, I told Ashley when I think of this church, um, the word that comes to mind is healthy. Uh, I know that this church has been fathered well, that it has been deposited into greatly. And uh, I'm not, the more I'm around the Browns, the more I'm exposed to how not emotional I can be sometimes. But uh, this morning, I just want to just publicly just sincerely say thank you and uh, honor Lee and Sherry. They carry a lot of titles, um, but the greatest title they carry for me is mom and dad. And um, Ashley and I are where we're at today, and I say this completely with integrity. Um, we've made it to where we are because of Lee and Sherry and their investment in us and their confidence and belief in me um, as a son-in-law. And so I just, I'm thankful. I'm thankful today. And uh, as much as I've received from them over the last almost eight years, um, I know that you've received just as much. So we're just going to see where the Lord takes us this morning. I just want to pray. I like to pray. And I believe God has something special. I don't think it's a coincidence either that I'm here the week before Grady comes. Um, Grady is one of my closest friends. He is a brother in Christ. We talk to each other almost every day. We hold each other accountable. Um, we don't just talk about ministry. We ask each other, how are you doing as a dad? How are you doing as a husband? Um, your ministry is garbage if you fail at those two things. So uh, I just believe this morning is a crowbar. I think God is going to bust some things loose. I think he's going to prepare you guys in this church for not just the coming revival, but I spoke with uh, Lee this morning, and I really do believe there's going to be a lot of shifting and transition coming to this house. I think you need to prepare yourself for more. I think you need to be ready for taking responsibility in the move of God in this city. I believe he's picked this house because this house picked him, that uh, there are churches that have come, there are people that have come, and, and we are the bride of Christ. It's not about First Baptist or First Assembly, it's the church of Heber Springs. Um, but I believe this house has a special place on God's radar because you've not forsaken his word. You've not failed to honor him. And uh, that says a lot in today's American church. Amen. So let's pray. Father, I love you. And I just ask that you would move in the way you want to move. We put our distractions aside today. We put our lunch plans aside today. And we just say it belongs to you. Do what you want this morning. It's about you. It's for you. And uh, we put you in a place of honor in our hearts. And, and, Lord, you don't look for permission. You look for submission. And so we just say that we're submitted to you this morning, to your process, and to what you'd want to deal with in us. I pray that we would be humble enough to respond to you, that we would be aware enough uh, of what's in us and what we're lacking, that we might invite you to fill those places in our heart move in a mighty way this morning, set this church up to, to experience the fullness of what you've called them to in this place. In your name we pray. Amen. This, uh, this last two years has been insane for my family. Um, we moved to Florida and back in five months, and that was crazy. Two kids on the way back, we had an extra one on the way. The Lord has a sense of humor because I'm... I'm from Wisconsin, and Arkansas was not on my radar ever. It was the furthest thing. I just, I was not going to be here. And uh, of my three kids, 
somehow all three of them have managed to be born in Arkansas. And so, I'm, yeah, you, go ahead and clap. Yeah. I've, I've learned that God knows better, and um, he just has a way. I just I believe it's because even in the context of Ashley and I and what God's called us to, I believe that the inheritance is in Arkansas, and I believe your greatest inheritance is always through your children. And so, as a former kids pastor, let me echo JoJo this morning and say, go volunteer. Um, it's very revealing to me about the state of the churches that the hardest ministry to get filled is the next generation. It's our children, and uh, that should be a sobering thing for us, so I'll just let that sink in for a minute. Um, I felt like before I could get into the meat of what I felt like was, was for this church, we had to address and get through something. And I'm going to try and be expeditious in, in kind of talking about us and our journey. That's not why I'm here today, but that's how I like to teach, is I want to tell you where I came from, and maybe you can learn from my mistakes. And so we, we moved twice. The, the move to Florida was something I wanted. I'd been wanting to get back to Lakeland since we left. We met there. Um, we pastored there for about a year after we were married. It was just a place that held great significance to me, great relationships. I'd wanted to go since I left. And finally, I found that door, that window that to get there. It wasn't what we thought we were going to do with our lives. We've known for a long time that we were called to shepherd a local church. And we were excited about that. And in fact, when the Lord opened the door for Florida, we were looking through open churches. We were trying to find a place to put down roots. And we were ready to go and... and a, God moved, and I came home and, and told Ashley, hey, I don't think this is what we're going to do next. I've got this opportunity in Florida. I believe it's the Lord. He confirmed it. We moved. I was on cloud nine. We saw God move in amazing ways. I'm talking about you sit down to budget out your month, and we've got $13 for gas and groceries and clothes and anything else, and you just say, all right, Lord, do it, and then he does it. We just we broke the bank to get there. I was excited, just felt like it was essential for me. Uh, as an individual, felt like it was essential for our marriage, for our family. It was such a turning point in our life and ministry. And I was ready to be there for 20 years. I'm like, let's just do this. Yeah, it doesn't quite look like what we're supposed to do. Like, it's not quite the picture we thought we had. But I was happy. I was helping a buddy of mine. He's got international ministry. I'm getting to travel, meet incredible people. Less pressure than leading a church. Less, less stress than leading a church or even a ministry. And I was ready to ride it out. I just told the Lord, I don't even want a pastor anymore. Just let me do this. Have any of you had God play something on your heart and your response is, I don't really want to do, just let me be a good Christian. Right? I just, I'll go to church, I'll read my Bible, I'll pray, I'll be a good example, but don't ask that of me. Just let me be a good Christian. But how many of you know you can't be a good Christ follower without following him? It's not just about, I think religion will give you permission to believe in God and go to church as long as you don't walk out what he's asked of you. And so we began to pray, and I began to feel the itch a little bit for ministry, and four months in, I get a text message from somebody in El Dorado, Arkansas, where we had actually applied for a church that God told me to apply for, and it gets to be really confusing when God tells you to do something he never intends for you to actually finish. I, why am I applying for the church? Why, why are we doing this? Why am I praying for this city, right? It was a six-month window. I'm praying for El Dorado. Lord, give me a heart for this city and for these people. And then they hire the other guy. It's a confusing season. So we moved on. Shortly after that, we went to Florida. Four months later, I get a text. You need to come to Florida and plant a church, or to El Dorado and plant a church. And I said, ha-ha, very funny. 
I said, I'm happy. I'm like, I went to the beach yesterday. Why would I come back to Arkansas? <laughs> and uh, we were doing bush gardens and the whole thing. And just, again, just a season of, of fruitfulness and God's provision. And uh, I put the phone down. And have you ever had that moment where God gets stern with you? And he says, you don't get to ignore this. This is me. And so I come home, I pray about it, I talk to my buddy, and I come home the next day, and I say to Ashley, I said, I said do you trust me? She thought I bought a dog. Um, <laughs> I said, she thought I bought a dog. I said, no, I said, I think, I think we're going to be moving back to Arkansas. I said, I think that the Lord is telling me that we're going to plant a church there. And let me tell you, I didn't ever want to plant a church. I wanted to go to the one with the seats and the paycheck, and maybe if we're lucky, a parsonage, just step in, do the thing. And there's nothing wrong with that unless God told you to do something else. And so we, we, everything checks in, the box is off, we, we break our lease agreement, we load up the U-Haul back to Arkansas. Lee thought it was because in El Dorado you can fill all six deer tags. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I was like, hey, you know, the Lord knows. And so, so I did just that. No, um, but we moved back, and I got there, and in my mind, and I'm going somewhere with this, in my mind, I am a great Christian. I'm the man, because I picked up my family, I moved twice, I went across the country, everything God asked of me, I did it, here I am in El Dorado, get ready, this church is going to blow up, you're going to see everything you ever want to see. And I had to get a full-time job not at the church doing construction, which anybody who has experience, if you're new to that, it's hard to learn that fast. And when you're younger than everybody else out there, there's another learning curve called authority that you've got to learn to walk in. And it just was not my idea of what I thought I should be doing when I was obedient to God. And it was a struggle for a season. I was, I was excited at first. The Lord, he, he knows how to get you excited about something. And I joke, I always say that, that scripture about from glory to glory, what it really should say is from death to death. That to move up and to move forward, you've got to die some more. And so the Lord was taking Ash and I through these seasons of from death to death. And I guess I was getting a little cranky around the house. It doesn't happen often. And I came home one morning for lunch or something. I came home. And I, I must have said something sharp. And Ashley, she loves this story, by the way. She looks at me, and she said, I spoke with God this morning, and you're not offended with me. You're offended with him. I said, no, I'm not. I had to think about it. I had a pastor who once told me that in moments of indecision or struggle, he said, listen to your wife. Her voice will most closely echo that of the Holy Spirit. And more times than not, that's, that's probably true for me. So I'm thankful for that as well, most times. <laughs> and um, I tell this whole story for this. This is what the Lord began to show me. And I think some of us in this room, you're going to have to address this this morning before you can move into the next season and receive the full inheritance that's waiting there. What the Lord showed me was this. I had allowed my obedience to him to produce entitlement in me. And when that entitlement wasn't fulfilled, I became offended with God. And when you are offended with God, it will make its way into every relationship that you have. In fact, I'd go as far to say that if you have an offense with someone around you, if you dig deep enough, you'll find that it's actually an offense you're carrying with the Lord. And so I became, right, 
I did the thing. I was obedient. I went where I was supposed to go. Some of you are sitting in this room, in this church, and you've been thinking for years, God, I came here because you told me to, and you didn't hold up your end of the deal. But it was never about what would be produced out of that for you. It was about being obedient to him. It's about your life is his to do with whatever he pleases. He paid a high price for it. And so before we move into this next part of this, this message this morning, I want you to just step back and ask the Lord sincerely, is there any facet of my heart where I'm offended with you? Where I feel like you came up short in my life? Anybody been there? Am I the only one? And so I had to deal with this offense so that I could move into the next season, so that I could really receive. And can I tell you that once I began to repent and deal with the offense I had with the Lord, suddenly fruitfulness started to come back to my ministry and my marriage and my family. You cannot be fruitful and carry offense with the Lord. You just can't do it. So that was the intro. I've known for a long time that God had called us to pastor a church. I didn't know what it was going to look like. I told you earlier I was ready to settle for something less than what he called me to because I really liked the less than. And I believe that that's the offer that's going to be put in front of this church in the coming days. You've been told what God wants to do here. You've received words. One of the most prolific, profound moments and words I received was sitting right there from Brother Andre. You've had deposit after deposit come through this church. And I believe the word of the Lord this morning is this. I believe he shared with me, I have made a great deposit in this church. But a great deposit also means a great withdrawal. And so I began to pray, asking the Lord through the last few weeks, where, what, what's the scripture? What good is, right? Because what good is a word if it doesn't line up with the scripture? God, where do you want to take me? Where do we need to go this morning? And he woke me up last week and he brought me to the, the, book, the book of Genesis and the story of Abraham and Isaac. And he said, this, the church and my people need to learn to discern between the means of God and the manifestation of God. See, I believe that Abraham knew what to do with the inheritance that was given to him, and I believe that's a question for Hebrew First this morning, is what are you going to do with the inheritance that God has given this church? How will you steward the deposit that God has made in this church? Because it is a great one. Can anybody agree with me this morning that God has been faithful to make deposit after deposit after deposit into this house? And that he has full authority and permission to take out whatever he puts in and then some. That he can do with this place what he wants. And I believe that's what we're going to deal with in the altars this morning is will you bring your Isaac up the mountain? I began to realize in this season of, of living in Florida that what God was really doing is I had tried to accomplish his call in my life through my means and it failed and now he was asking me to enter into the manifestation by using his means. And so he sent me to Florida. God has been putting things in front of you. Isaac could very well have been perceived as the manifestation of God's promise in Abraham's life. But he wasn't the manifestation. He was the means to the manifestation. What was the promise that God gave Abraham? First, it wasn't just a son, it was nations. 
It was about kings, that he and Sarah would be mothers, or mother and father to nations and to kings. And so then God fulfills this other promise. He provides the means to manifest that word and that provision. And what does he ask Abraham to do? Lay it on the altar. Take that thing that's tangible, the thing that's certain, the thing that's right in front of you, and put it on the altar. Abraham knew what to do, and I want to address not what he did right, but where we go wrong, because I think that a lot of times we hold so tightly to the means of God, we hold so tightly to what we have now that we miss what he intends to release later. And so in our desire to be certain and in our desire to feel secure, we, we, we begin to run with things that we were supposed to release when God needs us to re- release those things so he can give us something we can run with. And that's the season I see around the corner for this church. I see that God has provided great means here. But if you hold too tightly to those things, if you're unwilling to take those things up the mountain and lay them down, it may be resources, it may be people, it may be bitterness, it may be unforgiveness, but there are some things in your life that if you are unwilling to lay it on the altar for the Lord, you will never experience the full provision of what he has for you. The provision of God on that mountain was not only the life of Isaac, but it was the ram in the bush. And too many times we're content with telling God, I'm willing to ascend the mountain. You'd know I'd lay him down without ever really going up the mountain. We get our sticks. We get our sacrifice. We bring a couple men with us, just like Abraham did. We get to the base of the mountain God shows us. We get to that point of suddenly God speaks. Isn't it funny how you start to argue with God and you become upset with him for answering your prayers? God, I want to do something great for you. I'll go wherever you send me. I'll be a missionary. I'll be a pastor. I'll be a doctor. This isn't just the context of ministry. This is about the gifting and the calling and the royal priesthood that sits on every Christ follower. This is about the inheritance that everybody in this room carries and your willingness to walk it out in a way that allows Jesus to receive his full inheritance in this community. Because the church of Heber Springs is bigger than Heber First. And I think that there needs to be a gratitude here because, again, I truly believe that this is the vehicle that will ignite the thing. I believe that this is the church that's going to look at the mountain and say, Lord, I will ascend. And let me tell you something. When Abraham got ready to ascend the mountain, he told the men that he knew couldn't go with him to remain there. For you to carry out the calling of God on your life and for you to get to where you need to be, You've got to be willing to go up even if no one will come with you. And in fact, sometimes you have to ask them to stay behind. I want to read the account real quick in Genesis chapter 22, starting in verse 1. Now it came about after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take now your son, your only son. Is it interesting that he says your only son? I believe it's because God refuses to allow inheritance to happen outside of covenant. 
You cannot carry what he has for you outside of the place of covenant. And so he recognizes Isaac as the only son. Take him and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him, Isaac his son. And he split wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey and I and the lad will go over there and we will worship and return to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. He took in his hand the fire and the knife so the two of them walked on together. Isaac spoke to Abraham his father and said, my father, and he said, here I am my son. And he said, behold, the fire and the wood but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood and bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, here I am. And he said, do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. For I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham raised his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the place of his son. There's a principle here. It's not up for us to determine whether or not we will truly have to lay that thing down. It's up to us to resolve in our hearts that we are willing to go all the way. Too many times, as I said before, we will listen to the voice of God and we're willing to follow him even to a mountain that we're unfamiliar with. But when the time comes that we have to deliver on what God has asked us to, many of us fall short. We're not willing to release what's right in front of us, even if it's in the way of what lies ahead of us. But Abraham understood. He knew the promises of God. He knew that the intention was for nations. He knew that even if God was requiring of him his son, that the greater thing was the nations and the inheritance that lied ahead. Did that, does that sound familiar? Is that not what God saw fit for us? That even at the cost and the expense of his own son, the inheritance was far greater. Can I tell you that the sacrifice and the cost of your obedience will never outweigh the measure of your inheritance? No matter what he's asking of you now, I'll, t I'll say it like this, it will cost you far more in disobedience than it ever would to walk out in obedience. And so we have to learn to discern between the means of God and the measures or the manifestations of God and you need to look at this individually, and we're going to look at this corporately, and we're going to have uh, a time and a moment here where we have a, a moment. I believe that covenants, I believe that things that we hear in services, the, the word, I think it's cemented in the altar. And I think that the church misses so much today because they've neglected the altar. They're content to sit at the base of the mountain and never ascend. And I ask that you'd be a church this morning that refuses to settle at the base of the mountain. 
that you will take whatever and whoever God asks you to, and you will ascend the mountain, and you will go as far as to picking up the means to sacrificing that thing until God says no. And the promise is this. If you'll go there, you'll get the fullness of the provision. But I think we miss it for two reasons. One, we've fallen in love with the means of God, thinking it was his manifestation. And number two is, I think that life and experience has taught us a wrong idea of God, and it has produced a doubt in us that says, I wish I could believe you'd provide up there, but I'm really not sure. Can you imagine what's going through Abraham's mind, climbing this mountain with his son? I know the confidence he had in the person and the character and the, na- and the nature of God had to outweigh his fears because he went all the way up. But I think about myself and I think about the times that God has asked great things of me. And I can tell you, it wasn't just a direct path up that mountain. I had a lot of stops along the way. A lot of time to rethink if, if I was really willing to do what God was asking me to do. And that's the question he's asking this morning of Heber first is, are you willing to pay the cost? Are you willing to pay the price? Are you willing to lay that thing down that Jesus would receive his full inheritance in Heber Springs? That's what this is about. Anything that you inherit from the Lord is always so that he might receive the fullness of his inheritance. Right? Any crown you receive is always intended to lay it back down in front of him. Everything that comes in, you've got to have this fluid nature to the things that are in your life and understand it's, it's all his to work with and do whatever he pleases. Even people. We think of it in the context of finances a lot of times, right? You hear about giving, you hear about deposit, withdrawal, and we're thinking, okay, this is going to cost a lot of money. This is going to take great resources. But I'll tell you this too, every person in every seat of this house right now is at God's disposal. He can move and he can shift and he can do whatever he wants. And the joy that we have is we get to be a part of it. I said it in prayer. Authority never looks for permission from its subordinates. It looks for submission. I have three kids. Not once have I asked their permission when I'm telling them to do something. Right? It would look pretty silly. I've seen it. But it's a wrong order. And I've seen it in church today. In fact, I used to be guilty of praying, God, we give you permission to move in service today. And I just think about how he's looking at that like, oh, thanks, I needed that. (laughs) Like I just did God a favor. This is yours. You can have it. It's already his. He's, he was never looking for permission to move. He's looking for your submission in such a way that he can flow freely. And I believe that this is a submitted church. And again, I bring it back to this. I don't, I don't want to put credit on anything but Father God and Holy Spirit. I don't want to put credit anywhere but Jesus. But I'll say this. This church has been fathered well. There are many teachers and few fathers. And this church is lucky enough, blessed enough, that God saw it fit to put a true shepherd in the pulpit of Hebrew Springs First Assembly. Now you've got to be willing to follow through. I'm telling you, it's, this is an epidemic in the church today, is we come in on Sundays and we let the guy up here do everything. 
the body is dismembered in the church today. We come in and we plug in our feeding tubes to the pulpit and we go home and we check it off our list and we miss the fullness of what God called us to because we're so busy admiring or appreciating what God would do through someone else that we forget he's asking the same of you. Or let's take it a step further. There's two, I kept asking the Lord, how are you going to bring these scriptures together? Here it is. The other scripture the Lord put in my heart was the story of the prodigal son. And the interesting thing, you know what produced the prodigal son was entitlement and premature inheritance. Wanting to have what he knew what was his, but out of season. And what I catch every time I read that story is this. The prodigal son, when he returned home, he didn't, return, he didn't think he could return home as a son. He wanted to return as what? A hired hand. As a servant. And I think many of us in this room have not experienced or have even had, uh, we refuse to hear God on what he wants to use us for or the capacity he wants to use us in because we never got past that place of thinking we could only come to him as a hired hand when he called us to come back as sons and daughters. To carry what God is about to set on the foundation of this church You're going to have to walk as sons and daughters. You're going to have to remove the offenses with God. And you're going to have to commit and resolve in your heart that no matter the cost, no matter the ask, you're going to ascend the mountain. You're going to lay it on the altar and give God permission to move. Because you have learned to discern between the means of God and the manifestation of God. And you're willing to lay down the son that you might inherit the nations. Aaron, will you come just play? Will you all stand with me this morning? There's this awesome thing taking place in the church as I visit various churches and as I pastor. See, the church planning model says this. Go find the biggest, fastest growing city. Put a church there. Find the people with money and you'll grow. Or... Make church so convenient and comfortable that people will have no problem coming back and not changing. But comfort and convenience are enemies of the gospel. Never once do I see a call for comfort and convenience in the word. This is where you guys shine. You've been committed. The deposit has been made. But the season is coming where the Lord is going to make a withdrawal. And will you serve him? And will you be submitted to him? And will you still ascend the mountain when he begins to remove what you thought was the manifestation of God so the true manifestation might come? I'm telling you, some of you, many of you are going to be very challenged in the season around the corner because it's not going to look like what you thought it would look like when God moves on this place. And one of the greatest hindrances to tomorrow's revival is yesterday's revival. When you decide in your own heart and resolve that when God moves now, it has to look exactly like it did then. And I believe you're going to begin to see like this passing of the torch. There's a new generation coming into this church. That's the challenge, isn't it? Appealing to the next generation that doesn't like commitment, that doesn't like being told they're wrong, they don't like correction. In fact, they perceive correction as rejection and they run the other way. But I believe that this church has been found faithful 
And I believe that you're going to begin to see the fruit of that. I think there's going to be young adults, there's going to be young people coming through this church that they don't care about being corrected. They don't care about if you've got the fanciest lights in town. They just want to meet with Jesus. They just want to walk with God. They want true mothers and true fathers in their life. They actually want to be spiritually and emotionally healthy. They long for the prayer room over the platform. Come on. I'm so, pr- I'm so proud to see it happening. I've watched from a distance for seven years, and, and I feel like the Lord's just giving you permission today to, to dream for more and to dream bigger and to go further. But you've got to ascend the mountain. You're never going to see the provision of God if you sit at the bottom. You're never going to see the provision of God if you're holding on to the means instead of experiencing the manifestation. You're never going to see the fullness of God if your faith requires comfort and convenience and no change and no shift, there's a shift coming. It's going to cost a lot, but the, the inheritance. What will you do with the inheritance? I define legacy like this. It's what remains to be inherited from that with which you've been entrusted. What will be left to be inherited from what God entrusted to you? Are you willing that he would make the withdrawal that somebody else might receive from this well? Are you willing to pay that cost? The scripture that came to mind, to whom much is given, much is required, and to they that they have entrusted, he will ask the more. God has entrusted this church pastoral staff he's entrusted you with much and the time is coming where he's about to ask the more whatever that looks like and wherever it takes you will you commit to being in the place of obedience with God offense will always keep you from ascending the mountain every time Comfort will keep you from ascending the mountain. Sin will keep you from ascending the mountain. And I'll say it like this. I don't think you have to have any gross immoral sin in your life to be hindered. I think there just has to be enough. Just enough to instill doubt. Just enough to convince you that your relationship with God is severed. Just enough. Begin to ask Holy Spirit right now, what is it you're asking of me? What is it that I've got to put down? What is it that I've got to take up the mountain? What's standing between me and you? What's standing between the fullness of what you have for this church and experiencing it? What, what means are you requiring of us that we might see the full manifestation? The deposit here has been great as will be the withdrawal. Here's another way to say it, as will be the fruit. As will be the the full fruition of what God has called you to. I wanna invite you forward. Come with me to the front. This is your moment, lay it down.